Hi, I'm Carmen LaBurge. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBurge. Encouraging you to live as an ambassador of God's kingdom in the world. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBurge on Faith Radio. If we're going to fly, we fly like eagles. Arms now wide. If we're going to fear, we fear no evil. Arms now Hey, good morning again. I'm Carmen LaBerge. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen on the Faith Radio Network. If you're just joining us, you should check out MyFaithRadio.com. Lots of great opportunities there um, for you to grow in your faith and be strengthened in um, in your life. Uh, right now, you can go to MyFaithRadio.com and sign up to participate in the Strong in Battle online study with Susie Larson. Strong in Battle is Susie's brand new book. Um, I'm sure she's going to be coming on in the coming days to share with us about it. Yes, Paul Perot? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Paging my producer. Yeah, he's probably busy trying to get Peter Capster on the line. I'm sure Susie Larson's going to come on the show and talk with us about her brand new book. But in the meantime, go to MyFaithRadio.com and sign up for the online study. Um, you are going to receive a weekly email, additional resources. Um, Susie's going to do some video live events that you'll be invited to participate in. So let's grow stronger in our faith together. Go sign up today at MyFaithRadio.com for the Strong in Battle online study. Now, here's a question for you, you know, just straight off this morning. Have you got idols? Have you got idols? Not not like, you know, carved statuary sitting around uh, made of bronze or gold to which you bow down. No, no. Have you got idols? Um, LifeWay Research just conducted a survey of pastors across the United States of America. And uh, according to this study, more than half, more than half of pastors across the country um, identified these four idols as really significant in terms of the influence um, in their congregations. So here are the top four idols as identified by pastors across the country in terms of the challenges um, that they are facing with congregants who are influenced, heavily influenced by, number one, comfort. Is comfort an idol in your life? How about control or security? How about money? How about approval, the approval of others? More than half of U.S. Protestant pastors believe that their congregations are bowing down in really significant ways, influenced very heavily by the idols of comfort, security, money, and approval. So um, take a deep breath and ask yourself, what's my idol? Is my heart divided? I mean, if I'm, if I'm brutally honest with myself, Am I, am I actually a functional atheist when it comes to these things? Yeah, I mean, I'm giving God lip service, right? I listen to Christian radio and everything. But do I think of my children as mine? My home as mine? My future as mine? My body as mine? My comfort or my sense of security? 
Are they ultimately more important to me than God's glory, God's will, God having his way? Consider the demand that God issued to Abraham and then ask yourself, is my child an idol? Consider the demand God issued to Peter, Andrew, James, and John to leave their nets, leave their families, leave their livelihood, leave their security, and follow Jesus. And then ask yourself, is my family, is my job, are my assets an idol? Consider the demand that God has placed on every single person who has ever turned from some other religion or some other person or some worldly fortune to the way of Christ and ask yourself, am I treating my life as if it is my own? These things as if they are my own. My future as if it is my own. Have I become an idol? Has comfort or security or approval become an idol? Pastors are not wrong to believe that many Americans who attend church are functional atheists who just, who actually place comfort, security, money, family, or approval over God. We do it every day. So of this, we must repent and um, encourage one another, right? I know I need your help. Let's be in this together. Dr. Peter Kapsner is going to join us next. We're going to talk about um, what it looks like to walk by faith in the midst of these challenging days. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge, and this is Faith Radio. You'll be back. Time will tell. you remember that I served you well. Dr. Peter Kapsner is back. That's all I need to say. Hey, Peter. Hi, Carmen. That wasn't, uh, you know, a non a non thought provoking <laughs> opening. There, you dragged me in, into that. That's <laughs> really a good one. I really love what you had to say there. I know we're all we're we're all idolatrous. Like, uh, yeah, we I'm are. We just are. Yeah, we are. No. We are. It's, it's, I think it's one of the best uh, spiritual practices you can do on an ongoing basis because it be, idolatry is almost always subtle and hidden in our lives. I mean, hardly ever are we getting up in the morning saying, you know what, I'm going to go ahead and worship a big pile of cash or, you know, getting my name in, in, in a resume or some relationship that I'm in. It's super subtle. So one of the best spiritual practices we can do is get up and just say, okay, God, can you reveal those hidden places in me where my motives and my attitudes and, and my desires really are? And, and just spend some time in prayer. It's amazing what starts surfacing uh, in terms of what you're probably going to be attending to that day that you're going to spend a whole lot of energy on hoping that if it goes successful by whatever metric, that then you'll have a good and happy day. It hardly ever has anything to do with kingdom life in my life when I do that kind of work. So, Yeah. I mean, our own reputation can become an idol. Um, for sure, but I think, oh, but man. I think that children, I, I think that children lead the list of, um, of, yeah, of idolatry. Yeah, I just, which is why I, I mean, so could many be families. Wrong, but no, no, no. But I think you know, you 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 believe if you finally cross that line of having children, and maybe it's been a desire for years and years and years, and and it's why it's so devastating. I think among the reasons why it's so devastating when when something goes wrong with your kids, just uh, personally, relationally, spiritually. Um, if you can parse out the parts that were idolatrous, uh, idolatrous and just keep leading them as a shepherd um, with God, 
at your side doing that, then it can take some of that pain away. But I think missed expectations and, you know, having to have kids and we'll have a happy life if we have children. I understand the impulses, but we have to be pretty careful with that. All right, let's talk about um, Alexander Hamilton and Jesus and church and um, copyright infringement and all kinds of other (laughs) things. What in the world is going on that has caused such an uproar? Um, Because a Texas church this past weekend had a version of Hamilton. Well, I think you and I are going to have to shelve our plans to do Hamilton ourselves for Faith Radio, right? At this point, we better get permission, you and I and Paul, because the songs were we we've been singing them. Yeah, really interesting. A church took the creative move to adapt the Alexander Hamilton play uh, and composition to um, demonstrate at the end of the whole performance that Alexander Hamilton gives his life to Jesus. And so they obviously changed the play substantially with that or the musical. And the word got around, of course, as it would. And they have been served notice by uh, Lin-Manuel Miranda and the rest of the crew that actually wrote uh, Alexander Hamilton, that they've infringed uh, on um, the on how the original went. And they did so without permission. You, you can get the rights to use uh, different plays and, and movies and uh, musicals and then adapt them accordingly. But they obviously didn't do that. And so the church is in a world of trouble right now as they creatively went ahead and changed the story a little bit. And it was really effective uh, to have changed the story. I appreciate what the church did in, in trying to present the gospel in a different kind of way. But they clearly did not cross their T's or dot their I's. And so they are in a world of trouble. And it's, it's interesting to see what's going to happen. So it seems like the real issue is that um, segments of the performance were posted online, that, you know, the right. videos were posted and all of that. And so um, they did let the church go ahead with the performance on the following day, um, you know, with the caveat that nothing would be posted online and that current videos um, would, you know, would be taken down. But you and I both know once it's out there on the Internet, it's out there on the Internet. Um, and it's... It, because it was so provocative, um, right? It now it, it now has made headline news, not just right. uh, in religion news service, but all over the place. And so, I don't know. God's going to get His glory one way or another, right? Oh, that's really true. I mean, that's that's they're going to definitely <laughs> take a hit, and they might get in some legal trouble. But they, I think they said something to the effect of thirty or forty people had given their life to Jesus as a result of right. viewing that place. So, it's amazing, I would say right? whatever financial hit they take, a hundred percent worth it at this point. <laughs> Oh, not that Peter and I are advocating um, pirating anything. No, Um, we would be the if we were pirates, we would be the pirates who don't do anything. For sure. All right. uh, (laughs) Peter Kapsner and uh, (laughs) uh, Peter and Kapsner and I will be back in just a moment. I'm going to ask him, should Christians really make declarations on marriage and family or, you know, should we just stay silent on these subjects? Because, I mean, you know, after all, we don't really know what we're talking about. Is marriage and family the purview of Christian Witness? That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen. As you know, this is a rebroadcast of the live radio show carried on the Faith Radio Network. There's a lot going on at Faith Radio. Tons of free resources just waiting for you and for you to share with others at MyFaithRadio.com. How does that all happen? Well, it happens through listener support. So Faith Radio, Mornings with Carmen, all available because of listener support from listeners, well, just like you. If you're a supporter, thank you so very much. If you'd like to become a supporter today, just visit MyFaithRadio.com. 
And again, thanks for being a part of what we do every day at Mornings with Carmen. Alexander Hamilton. My name is Alexander Hamilton. And there's a million things I haven't done. But just you wait. Just you wait. Yeah. So that's a little uh, snippet there from Hamilton, if you haven't seen it. Imagine uh, for a moment that when Hamilton acknowledges that uh, we're set free, acknowledge that the only way that that happens is if we bow the knee to Jesus, who sets us free. There you go. Mm -hmm. That would be the turn that uh, the church in Texas took. Okay, um, Dr. Peter Kapsner, um, Christians like to talk about marriage, and we like to talk about family, and we think we have a biblical basis for doing so. There are those who now argue that, you know what, the Gospels don't really say anything. They don't really worry themselves with the support of the nuclear family. And so Christians in the culture today, you know, we should really not be advocating for God's original design for one man and one woman monogamous marriage, nor should we be advocating for the nuclear family. Did God really say all that? Oh, brother. Like, yikes. I don't know how to... There was an article that somebody wrote basically saying that... um, the, there's an Orthodox church that baptized two children that were in uh, their, their parents were in a gay relationship. And basically they defended it by saying exactly what you just said, that the Bible doesn't teach much about family or marriages, especially the Gospels and the New Testament. And, and, uh, and so why do we care so much? We shouldn't be making these public declarations about that which constitutes a family. And this is where it's tough. I don't know if we can do this in in three or four minutes, um, given that I think I have about four or five hundred minutes in class to establish um, the purpose, (laughs) meaning and and function, hope of the nuclear family as found right in the opening pages of Scripture in Genesis one and two. I mean, when God finally finishes the, the first five days of creation and then puts his image bearers on Earth, he puts specifically a male and a female on earth to tend and to guide his ever unfolding creation one of their key functions of course is to bring forth future image bearers and they are uh, specifically different from one another they're meant to live in this beautiful relationship of submissive love that points to the love that is the heart of the kingdom so when you see a male and a female uh, operating in in any walk of life really but family is included in this when you see a man and a woman uh, operating in that kind of submissive love, it points to what is the heart at the center of the universe of God is love. So it reminds us and teaches us that God is love. And not only that, Carmen, um, theologians talk uh, often, and I was always puzzled by this until I started researching it uh, quite a bit more, they talk that sexual union is reflective of the image of God. And, And I wondered how that could possibly be. But sexual union, among the many things that um, it it is a gift for, and maybe the primary thing that we see in Scripture, is that it is a gift to bring forth future image bearers. That's its its procreative purpose that the Church has always acknowledged. And, And because it's meant to be image bearers are meant to be brought forth in this beautiful, sacred, other centered, ecstatic union of love between um, male and female, meaning the very act of procreation is supposed to be this ecstatic love that happens between two people. It actually reminds us of the love with which God then brought us into uh, creation as well. So sexual union uh, reminds us that we are the beloved. That's the theological purpose of it. Um, even though it has the biological purpose of bringing forth future image bearers. So I don't know if any of that makes sense, but the family is the 
is where this is held and and it's so sacred and um it is the restoration of all of creation that Jesus accomplished on the cross when he uh, conquered the power of sin and death and brought forth this uh, the, this new community that no longer was subject to the fall and no longer subject to sin and meant to then reflect again the love of God in this world. So they know we're Christians by our love. This is one of the primary places in which people can see the heart of God is in a well-ordered nuclear family. And uh, and so the idea that we should just not say anything about it, I think, strikes right at the heart of Scripture uh, in a way that we probably don't want to mess around with. So I'm not sure if that three or four minutes helps. So that really takes like another 400 minutes to unpack, but maybe you can start seeing the pathways uh, of why this is such an important problem. Yeah, I remember a conversation we had recently with Dr. Julie Slattery about her book, God, Sex, and Your Marriage. I want to remind listeners of that. Um, remember, you can connect with her at AuthenticIntimacy.com. If this is an area of confusion for you, if you wonder what has God said about God, sex, and marriage, and yes, procreation and children and the nuclear family, um, she does a really good job unpacking it. The book is God, Sex, and Your Marriage. Again, Dr. Julie Slattery. Um, and you can go back and grab the podcast uh, from the conversation we had with her here on Mornings with Carmen. Um, Peter, I want to give you um, a minute to talk about the Deeper Magic podcast. Um First of all, I didn't, I didn't know there was a deeper magic. What's going on here? <laughs> yeah, so that just to, for those people that are suddenly alarmed by the word magic, um, mm-hmm. the deeper magic is a reference to uh, the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, in which uh, after Aslan breaks the stone table and is raised from the dead, he talks with Edmund and the, and the children. I, I, actually, it was Susan and, and Lucy he was talking to, and he said, the witch who killed Aslan knew of a deep magic, but she didn't know of the deeper magic from before the dawn of time. That that That's how C.S. Lewis describes what was going on in the moments of the crucifixion and resurrection. And so um, where it, it'll go live next week. And we're not, you know, everybody has a podcast, Carmen. So this isn't suddenly, you know, gee, Kapsner needs a podcast and needs to get his voice out there and builds his brand and reputation and all. Like, I could care less about all that stuff. Um, what I do care deeply about is uh, all all of what you talk about so often on the show is what's happening in the next generation and and how they are understanding and practicing their faith, how they are resisting increasingly going to current versions of church. They're finding their faith practice in in different ways, and that can be pretty um, pretty scary and vulnerable and even dangerous in some ways because there's not a, a good container to hold them. So the point of it is that my daughter, who is 20 years old, her name is Anna, and I, um, she's been studying in Edinburgh as well, uh, going through some divinity school stuff. Uh, she has more theological talent in her little finger than I have in my whole body, and, and of course I'm biased as a parent saying that. But we, um, not just the two of us, but we're going to be inviting a wide variety of young people, but also voices that I know just from my years in the church and, and um, authors and friends, Time on Faith Radio, uh, to participate in this. And the opening episode uh, is basically, I, I say facetiously how important of a visible public Christian figure I've been for 30 years, and I've been active in the church. I've been teaching seminary pastors for years and years and years and years and years. I still do now, and and you know it's been my whole life. And then I, I call her an abysmal failure because she doesn't want to attend church. <laughs> and uh, and we sort of take it from there, and uh, and it's, it's all tongue-in-cheek at first, but she begins to explain from her point of view and the point of view of her friends, that um, she really is deeply interested in following Jesus, 
but the way in which we gather together as the church and what we've been doing and, and holding a one-hour event on a Sunday morning um, isn't, uh, there isn't enough there within the discipleship journey to deal with the complexity of her life. And, and so uh, she's really right, my daughter's right in the heart of spiritual but not religious, meaning that she's following Jesus down to her toes and has given her life to God. I, I've seen it over and over again. But she's saying, but I have to, I'm going to have to practice this faith in a different kind of way, in a different kind of church community than what currently exists because of the fact that I just can't get the discipleship there that I need. The issues are too big. Um, the isolation, depression, confusion, mental health crisis, sexuality, breakdown of relationships, you name it. They're too big to be dealt with in an hour on, on a Sunday morning. I need a different place. So the deeper magic hopefully will become that place where we can really investigate these issues, um, sometimes for hours, sometimes through multiple, uh, multiple episodes. I'll be bringing my 20 years of class content there and some fun and, and hopefully interesting ways to talk about it with young people. So that's the deeper magic. I think it'll go live on iTunes next week. Um, have some people helping doing the production of it. And uh, I'm sure it'll be a little provocative. I don't always know what 20 year olds are going to say. So I kind of give them some rain and, and put some guardrails on at the same time and, and stay faithful to the scripture. And off we go. All right. Um, you're going to be able to find Deeper Magic, the podcast from Dr. Peter Kapsner and Anna Kapsner um, on iTunes or wherever else you get your um, get your podcast. So we'll be looking forward to Deeper Magic. And I'll, I'll actually have a legitimate way to introduce you now. Because <laughs> now you'll be, say, Carmen, for the first you'll time be the co- years, I'll, you'll I'll be the co-host. <laughs> I know. That's what I'm saying. You're going to be a real, a real boy. boy. We'll be able Indeed. to introduce you as the co-host of Deeper Magic, the podcast. Indeed. All right. Dr. Oh, Peter I, Kapsner, thank you as always for joining us. You guys are the best. Thanks, Carmen. <laughs> you are listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LaBerge, and we are going to take a break for Breakpoint. Hey, let me tell you a quick story that um, I... I knew parts of, but now I know more of having um, listened to the testimony and witness of Pro Football Hall of Fame coach Tony Dungy and his wife, Lauren. Um, So they were recently on NBC's Today Show and they um, they shared their story of fostering more than 100 children. Um, They they determined at a point in their life that they would never turn away a child in need. So Lauren Dungy on um, today's uh, or NBC's Today Show said, we love children. Children are our passion. We just believe we can pour into them and help them, guide them through life. Uh, We made that decision early on um, that we were going to foster children and we would never say no because we know that children, when they are in crisis, they need a home. They need stability. They need love. And so we opened our doors to children. We have had over a hundred children walk through our door over the years. Lori Dungy is a um, early childhood education specialist. She's a former teacher. Obviously, Tony is a, um, you know, a, a Hall of Fame football coach. So, you know, they are people with significant resources. They have recently released a book that they co-authored called Uncommon Influence, Saying Yes to a Purposeful Life. Um, and they basically share that um, their goal is to encourage people to let God lead them. And so I ask you today, what is it that breaks your heart in the culture, in the world? Um, recognize that it is something that also breaks the heart of God. And he's breaking your heart over that particular issue, whatever it is, because he wants to release you 
as an agent of his grace, as an ambassador of um, of his kingdom into that particular concern, into that particular area to press the full force of your life against that particular darkness, to, to, to be the shiny light in that particular um, vein. For the Dungies, it was foster kids. It has been foster kids. Um, that, that may or may not be your particular um, calling, your purpose. But it's important for those of us who are Christians to shine light in particular directions with particular intensity upon those issues where, you know, God has moved our particular heart. So what is it that breaks your heart? And if it's something that breaks the heart of God, then consider that that is your calling. That is your calling. And then say yes to a purposeful life. We're going to talk with Pastor Scott Sauls. He has a brand new book out. Beautiful people don't just happen. It's kind of like we're forged. So the subtitle is How God Redeems Regret, Hurt, and Fear in the Making of Better Humans. So how is it that God is making you beautiful by redeeming regret, hurt, and fear? All of that up next here on Mornings with Carmen. I was just talking yesterday to um, a guy who serves in Washington, D.C. about the influences in his life. And Scott Sauls is one of the people to whom he points. So Scott uh, started serving as the senior pastor of Christ Presbyterian Church in Nashville, Tennessee, a decade ago. Um, He uh, served previously as the lead and preaching pastor for Redeemer Church in New York City, where he worked alongside um, Dr. Tim Keller. He has also planted and pastored other churches, and he is a pastor to pastors, in addition to being a frequent conference speaker and an author, which is the role um, in which we talk with him today. So, Scott, welcome back to Mornings with Carmen. Hello, Carmen. Good to be with you again. It's so good to talk with you. Um, let's, um, let's talk about beautiful people. Beautiful people don't just happen. That's the title of the book, How God Redeems Regret, Hurt, and Fear in the Making of Better Humans. Um, that's the subtitle for those of you Looking for it. And yes, as always, we're giving away copies today. You can text the word book to 877-933-2484 to enter the drawing for the copies of Beautiful People Don't Just Happen that we have to give away. Um, first of all, I just want to start here, Scott. Um, this is a book that is to all who sin, suffer, or feel afraid. This is a book to the wounded healers. And this is a book um, to a particular family. Can you talk about who this book is to and for? Well, uh, yeah, you're you're pulling that off of the the dedication page, and uh, yeah, as as the as the book was being written, um, you know, different different people or types of people with different experiences came to mind throughout as I was you know sharing different stories from my own history and my own life and my own battles with uh, regret and hurt and fear. And, um, and what, what sort of a light bulb that came on uh, is uh, wouldn't this be wonderful if it could be one of the helpful resources that, that people who are facing regret, hurt or fear could use personally, but also uh, something that would benefit counselors, uh, parents who are dealing with struggling kids, friends who are showing up uh, for 
other friends who are in a in a ditch uh, of sort of sorts, uh, you know, uh, mental health professionals, etc. cetera. Uh, and those are actually the groups that the book has gotten traction with the most is, is just people who feel like they're in a, in a bruised place, uh, internally and, uh, and, or who are, um, in a season where they're being called upon to show up for somebody who's in a bruised season. And so, uh, the particular family, the Spickard family, are um, you know dear friends of ours here in Nashville, uh, part of our church community, and um, you know last year, last couple of years, they um, uh, stood alongside their young son, who's in his early twenties, as he um, eventually lost the battle to leukemia. Uh, and, um, and after that, there was another death in the family. And after that, uh, a, a surprising diagnosis that thankfully in retrospect, they re- received treatment, but it was scary at that time. But during that whole time, um, you know, the first and last, uh, sentence of virtually every conversation that, that my friend Anderson would say is we live in hope. Uh, and this is a family that just um, remained anchored in the goodness and promises and presence of God through uh, their darkest season. And, and they're still, uh, you know, walking in the aftermath of that, just, uh, you know, figuring out what it means to draw on the resources of Jesus Christ uh, and the resources of, of the redemptive uh, plan and love of God, um, you know, as they, as they still process all they've been through. But um, I, I have been repeatedly touched, as so many people in their lives have, by the very visible presence and activity of God and the hope of the gospel um, that has been present uh, in in many tragic, you know, in, in in several tragic circumstances, all bundled up in the same season of time. And I can't help but think that God has wonderful plans to use their story to bring great comfort to. To many many people um so so yeah yeah i i thank you for so for sharing that this um this notion that god makes better people and people better um is an interesting uh, way to think about ourselves and the redemptive process and um how regret and hurt and fear are a part of that how the secret of being content in all circumstances is a part of that how anchoring being anchored in hope <clears throat> Um, versus, you know, allowing sort of the anchors to just drag us down to the bottom of the depths um, is a part of that. Um, Scott, one of the things that I, but this is totally intriguing and utterly unique. Um, there, There's only one chapter in this book, one and only chapter in this book, but 15, what I would call chapters of prologue. So there's 15 prologues and then one chapter. <laughs> Can you just talk about that a little bit? Because that's unusual and refreshing. Yeah, it was a bit of a rhetorical device that um, um, sort of popped in my head as I was writing, uh, you know, because the whole trajectory of the book is to point readers to uh, the long-term perspective. Uh, And the long-term perspective is this. If you are a Christian, um, your long-term worst-case scenario is that you will be resurrected from the dead, that you will be made new and be made like Christ, uh, you will be glorified and perfected in every way. Uh, there will be no more death, mourning, crying, or pain uh, anywhere uh, in, in or around your life. 
uh, and you will live forever uh, in in that in that state. Uh, and uh, and so the long term worst case scenario for every believer in Christ is resurrection and everlasting life. That's as bad as it's going to get a hundred years from now, a thousand years from now, a billion years from now. Which, of course, if if we if we have an anchor uh, in a future that's sure, in a future that's certain. Um, you know, think about sports fans who are watching their favorite team and they're getting destroyed at halftime. But somebody, you know, told them before they started watching the recording that their team pulls out the greatest win of all time at the end. They're relaxed even when their team is being destroyed at halftime. And, and in many ways, um, you know, the scriptures are constantly pointing us to, to that, that hope that, 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 that seeks to put everything in the bigger, broader uh, sort of meta perspective uh, that that God is taking everything uh, for His people in the direction of you know with regret you know complete healing and complete forgiveness and complete reconciliation and peace with God and every person that you'll spend eternity with uh, in the realm of hurt uh, all hurts will be taken away and as C.S. Lewis famously said in a strange way heaven will work backwards and turn even agony into glory. Now, you know, even as we, you know, when we have a nightmare and, and let's say we lose a loved one in a nightmare and then we wake up and there they are laying next to us, breathing and alive. Um, we, we are in that moment after the nightmare and because of the nightmare, more grateful than we've been for them in a long, long time. So heaven will work that way. Uh, and then um, in terms of our fears, uh, you know, the future of God, as is promised in the scriptures, especially in the the last chapters of Revelation and uh, Paul in 1 Corinthians 15 and, and 2 Corinthians 4, um, you know, there, there, there is no basis for long-term fear uh, because Jesus has risen from the dead. You know, everything that Christ has done in the past has sealed uh, the future uh, for all whose lives are united to his through faith. And so, um so chapter one and only uh, is the chapter that hasn't begun yet, um, uh, which is the new heaven and the new earth. And, um, and that's, that's actually our truest and fullest life. Uh, that is the full expression of, of the abundant life that Jesus promised, even though we get hints of it in, in, even in this fallen, tragic place in which we currently live. Um, the long-term scenario is really one chapter uh, of the life that God created us for, where we live in perfect union with him and in perfect fellowship with one another uh, with no death mourning crying or pain uh, where every day gets better than the day before where every day you feel stronger uh, not weaker you, you get smarter not dumber um, you know you, you you feel younger not older every single day for the rest of eternity um, if we can take Jesus words for what they say uh, in the last chapters of scripture mm. We're talking with Scott Sauls. We're talking about um, his brand new book, the most recent of the six he has written, Beautiful People Don't Just Happen, How God Redeems Regret, Hurt, and Fear in the Making of Better Humans. And lest you imagine that um, Scott is not a person familiar um, with these things, we're going to talk next about something he held on to for 37 years. We're going to talk about the tears on his shirt. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen. As you know, this is a rebroadcast of the live radio show we do every morning on the Faith Radio Network. There's a lot going on at Faith Radio. I don't want you to miss any of it. So check out the free resources just waiting for you and for you to share with others at MyFaithRadio.com. 
faithradiomedia.com. One of the things I would like for you to consider is becoming a faith radio ambassador. We talk about walking our faith out into the world that God, that God so loves and doing so in ways that honor Jesus. Well, that's because we are ambassadors of the kingdom of God. You can become a faith radio ambassador today and help us get the word out to others about this and other programs on the Faith Radio Network. Uh, We will supply everything that you need to share with others, and you can sign up to be a Faith Radio ambassador at MyFaithRadio.com. Because we all fall short, and we all have sin, but when you let God's grace break in, Continuing our conversation with Pastor Scott Sauls, you can find him and Lots of resources, including a weekly blog post at scottsauls.com. Recently, um, Scott, you um, you posted about, um, I'm scrolling down here to um, the July 24th um, post on learning the secret of being content. This is also subject matter that you cover um, in this particular book, Beautiful People Don't Just Happen, How God Redeems Regret, Hurt, and Fear in the Making of Better Humans. You're a person who knows the secret of content, but you also, um, you know, you have walked the journey that each and every uh, one of us has walked and continue to walk, which is that we struggle. Like, we pain is real, and we make mistakes, and we have regrets. Maybe you could um, just share with us what you share, you know, in the in the opening prologue, the first prologue, the the first of fifteen. Um, Thirty seven years is a long time to hold on to something that someone else had already forgiven. Yeah, yeah. Back in high school, so so. Well, I'll I'll set it up in the same in the same way I do in the book. Um, I'm walking in um, Percy Warner Park uh, here in Nashville by myself, uh, just out getting my steps in, and. Uh, out of my own mouth come the words, you suck. And that was me uh, talking to myself uh, right after a memory of, of an incident in high school where I said something unkind um, to, to a, a woman in my class. Uh, and um, and uh, just knew that that it, it hurt her deeply. Um, this was in tenth grade, I think, and you know, regretted it deeply, and and uh, ended up you know asking her forgiveness. She grants it, um, but I'm still holding on to it. Uh, Thirty seven years later, apparently, uh, which you know is just kind of proof positive that guilt and shame. Um, you know, we absorb those things. Uh, like a sponge, uh, and we leak uh, grace and mercy and forgiveness. And, um, and so, you know, I'm, I'm trying to, I guess, set up the point that, that, um, you know, Martin Luther, the, the famous Protestant reformer, um, made that the reason why we need, uh, the gospel preached to us in a fresh way and we need to preach it to ourselves in a fresh way every single day is that we so easily forget the gospel every single day. Uh, as um, as those other voices of you know because you did this you are this um, you know that's where guilt uh, you know transitions to becoming shame where you know regrettable decisions we've made become you know our own self concept of who we now are uh, and you know uh, 
I didn't say to myself in the park, that sucked. I said, you suck, uh, which is an identity statement um, based on one incident where I essentially reduced myself to one of my worst moments back in my teenage years and defined my whole personhood that way. And I think that's how guilt and shame work when the enemy of our souls gets a hold of them. Uh, and, you know, the, the Christian's task is to constantly be going back over and over and over again to the promises of God that, uh, I will forgive your sins and remember them no more. And of course, if you've if you've uh, injured somebody, uh, do the work of repair and uh, uh, do the work of reconciliation and and you know be quick to apologize, quick to ask forgiveness, which which I actually did, uh, you know, and and it was granted. This was before I was a Christian, uh, mm-hmm. even. But 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 um, but yeah, and you know, I've got a thousand other stories like that that. That assault, uh, that that assault my spirit, and mm-hmm. um, and you know sometimes that that's legitimate conviction about things that we still haven't dealt with and we need to deal with, especially if other people were were injured by it. Um, you know, of course, we have the fifty first Psalm where where David confesses his sin with Bathsheba to God, and then we also see in David's life that he does the work of repair. Um, you know, in that in that tragic relationship, and so. Um, and then we see, um, you know, <laughs> the whole experience memorialized in the ancestry of Jesus, where we get the genealogy of Matthew, where it says that David, you know, gave birth to Solomon through the wife of Uriah the Hittite. Um, you know, as if as if to say, before Matthew lays out the gospel of grace, remember this one, guys. <laughs> remember this one, everyone. That Solomon came into the world um, through an illicit. Uh, 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 relationship and 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 the abuse of power where where David saw Bathsheba and sent for her and took her it says in, mm-hmm. in Samuel and 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 you know even even that becomes theater for God's redemptive grace um, to demonstrate to the world that that if God is not finished with somebody like David after that uh, or if God is not finished with somebody like Saul of Tarsus, and you know where mm-hmm. Paul the apostle at the end of his life says, "I'm the chief of sinners. I was a blasphemer, persecutor, a violent man, and and the mercy of God was poured out on me, so, essentially, so that everybody in the world could know that that no matter how dark the abyss of sin and shame in their life and guilt and shame in their life, um, you're never uh, you're never beyond the reach of God's mercy and grace and forgiveness and kindness and redemption and restoration, and so." Um, I don't know. We just need to be rem- reminded of these things over and over again. I, I love this. Uh, I love this song by uh, my friend Andrew Peterson, who's a musician, and it's it's a it's a pretty popular worship song, uh, popularized mainly by Chris Tomlin. But it's called "Is He Worthy?" And you know, in the in the song, uh, you know, there's a question. It's a rhetorical question. Is it good to remind ourselves uh, of of this? This being the truth of God and who Jesus is and what He came to do and be for our sakes and and the answer is, it is. <laughs> it is good to remind ourselves of these things. Uh, and we need each other to remind each other of these things, that we are not defined by our worst moments. Amen. The book is Beautiful People Don't Just Happen. It is a fantastic reminder. It is, um, it's wonderful counsel. It is a good walk. Um, it's also, I think, really well designed to equip pastors and ministry leaders and parents and um, and others who are walking alongside people who are are stuck 
um, or imagine themselves as defined by their worst moment. So um, let us uh, include you in um, the list of people who are going to receive a copy today. We've got uh, several to give away. Um, And so text the word book to 877-933-2484. Visit with Scott online at scottsauls.com. Scott, as always, um, it's a blessing to be with you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Carmen. Appreciate you having me. Absolutely. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge, and yes, he is worthy. Thanks for listening to this podcast of Mornings with Carmen LeBurge from Faith Radio. If you haven't, you can subscribe to automatically receive the podcast through iTunes or the Google Play Music app. That way you never miss an episode. It's also available anytime at MyFaithRadio.com.